How many of you ready for some word today? Amen. How many got your Bibles? Amen. How many are nice and toasty and warm in here? Feels good. It's pretty, been, boy, it's been unusually cold to me. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining, you know, my goodness, you know, I just, I just, you know, I just woke up this morning and I looked out and thought, oh, how beautiful a little red-breasted robin here in the middle of February. It was a sparrow with a chap chest. It was just, it was bad. It was a bad, it was cold out there. It's cold, it's cold, it's cold. I'd like to, if you would just indulge me for this Sunday, if you would indulge me to allow us to speak just a little bit, because I know all of you are wondering, uh, Pastor, how, how are you and Pastor Brenda, how are, what is your perspective on some of these things? And, uh, and it, it's quite a journey, it's a journey. Uh, but, but I know you wanna know, first of all, like Pastor Brenda said, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to be. We're all right today. We're going to get okay, and then we'll move to better. And how many of you know the Lord never leaves us the way we are? Amen. Never leaves us the way we are. But but I do know you want. To, I do know that I, I I need to just help you with the journey of of that just for a moment because it's not just about Pastor Brenda or me. But I know there are a lot of you in this room that are going to think, throwing through things that you cannot get your mind wrapped around and the enemy is just absolutely pulverizing you and telling you, if there's a God that loves you, how can he let you do this? And you remember, you even tithe. So I'm going to help you a little bit as I'm trying to help myself to help you because... The only difference between me and you is the distance between us. The same devil that despises me despises you. But he is a liar. And this thing's already been won. The fight's fixed. The race is rigged. I've read the end of the book. Sorry. We've already won. You've already been won. And you're a wise person to understand that. Really, when you're going through this, it's really wisdom to do that. But I do want to talk about the pain because it's, 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 pain is real. Suffering is very real. And I think sometimes we get shocked in the body of Christ. I'm a very powerful guy that believes in faith and the word. And I'm a very positive person. Extremely positive. I find hope in a slap across the face. But sometimes in your quest to be that, you do not process the things that God truly wants you to process. In your quest to try to act positive and hope others will do the same. Because I will be that, I'll always be that, because faith always does that, right? Sometimes you don't always get to mount up with wings as eagles. Sometimes you just got to learn to walk without fainting. And that's where... Kind of where, that's kind of where we are at times. We mount up with wings and then sometimes it's just we're walking without fainting. But his promise is, is that never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never, never, never. That's the beauty of it. Satan will abandon you. I promise you. You want to go be stupid in sin, you go be stupid in sin and think everybody's with you. I promise you, he will abandon you. He will abandon you. Satan will abandon you. He will abandon you. He did the Father, he did to Jesus, and he will do it to you. 
But I'd like to read to you 1 Peter chapter 4, just as a context. And I want to talk to you a little bit about purpose in pain. And I'd like to just take this Sunday to do it, if I could, for a minute. Y'all mind? All right. The three of you, let's just go over into a little room and the rest of y'all dismiss, go to Taco Bell. Amen. 1 Peter, chapter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. And I want to read this to you. Dear friends, dear friends, this is speaking to the believers, the new Jesus followers. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. Some of them hadn't hit it yet, and some were in it. You'll understand the context, the background of the history behind this. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, instead, those of you going through it, instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. Why? So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. You can't just look at, at the now. You must understand there is a then. So let me talk about this just for a moment. You have an incredible partner in pain. And as long as I'm not abandoned by Jesus, and I never will be, I can make it through anything, and so can you. Because you have a partner that stands by your side. But I want to take the context of this background of 1 Peter for a moment. Now, if I could just write, just for a moment, let, let me just give a little instruction of what is happening here as he's writing this so you can have a little understanding. 1 Peter is talking about handle, how to handle suffering and life's tragedies. In fact, if you'll read these books as Peter wrote those, con, those new believers, over 15 times in those books, he mentions suffering to the Jesus follower. So when people in the body of Christ don't ever want to ignore suffering, I'm going to tell you, you're living just a little bit deluded. Fifteen times he told these folks suffering. Fifteen times. It's interesting. But the reason why Peter is writing them is not to show them a survival kit on here's how you survive suffering. That's not what he's trying to do. He's trying to show the believer how to use it, not how to survive through it. See, the devil's never been real bright. If we stay in his presence, his word, the devil's never been real bright. What is always meant for your evil, God will turn to your good somehow, some way, either now or then. I'm telling you, friends, use it. He said, I'm not trying to teach you just how to survive it. I'm showing you how to use it because God's word distinguishes the way Christians look at suffering. And I want to try to help you and help me and help Brenda and our family help you just for a moment. Because Christians, the word of God shows us there's a distinguishing way the way Christians look at suffering. Now the world, the world, the secular world looks at suffering as a curse. Oh, there's no hope. It's curse. You've done something wrong. Bad karma. See, the world will always interpret suffering as a curse. And so that's why they're always trying to create this utopia. They're, they're always trying to create it. They're trying to create heaven, and they never will be able to create heaven. We already know what it is, so they're trying to make everything perfect here, when in fact it will never get perfect here, and so any kind of pain is a curse. But for the follower of Jesus Christ, Christianity always looks at pain and suffering as hopeful because God's going to use it some way 
for your good and his for good, his good. And the reason why I know that we can use it and the reason why I know we can overcome through it and you can overcome through it is because only Christianity has a God with wounds. No other religion on this planet has a God with wounds and came intentionally to do nothing but take a beating for you. So what his wounds, when I look at the context of Jesus Christ's wounds, a God with wounds, when I look at that, then it gives me a framework, not just to endure that pain that you're going through. Some of you, your pain is not the level of pain in mind. Your, your pain is real because your girlfriend dumped you or your boyfriend dumped you and you sexually gave yourself away to them. And now how could they do that to you? Pain is different in different ways in here. So once you can see that Jesus had wounds, like the wound you're feeling, whatever context that is, it will show you not how to survive it, but to use it and what God's really trying to say to you in the new meaning. Y'all good with me right now? So here's some things that Peter shows, First Peter shows, and how he's talking to these believers. So here's the first thing he's going to tell you. First of all, is when the pain comes and the suffering comes, so many of us are perplexed in the pain. We're confused in the pain. That is the first human response is, is why is this suffering occurring? Now let's go back to verse 12, okay? Land with me there. It says, dear friends, don't be surprised. Everybody say, surprise, surprise. surprise. Those of you know what I'm talking about. Gomer Pyle, amen. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials. That, that word fiery there is literally an intense burning. It's intense. It didn't leave you. You wake up crying. You go to bed crying. It's intense. The pain is real. It can even be felt physically. He says, don't be surprised, or the attack, or the persecution. He says, don't be, a, be surprised by the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange. Well, we shouldn't be going through this. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Kool-Aid should be coming out of the drinking fountain. I mean, everything should be good. I, I, I gave my heart to Jesus today. I, I believe I'm going to get a pay raise tomorrow. You might, and you may be let go from your job tomorrow. Don't act like it's strange. Well, well, well I can't believe that they're a believer. In that. Don't, don't be strange if someone offends you in the body of Christ. Whatever level this is for you, there's a reason and there's a purpose in the pain. As much as you don't like it. But don't be perplexed, like, perplexed, perplexed by it. See, there are times in life when terrible things happen that we didn't bring on ourselves. Sometimes they're just a simple attack of Satan. Sometimes they're circumstances beyond our coal. Sometimes it's because of somebody else's disobedience that we get the aftermath of it. There's a lot of reasons, but there are times in life that terrible things happen that we did not bring on ourselves and we didn't do anything wrong. Here's the point. As long as you're sucking in air, the innocent will suffer. And this was written to innocent new believers that had given their life to Jesus Christ, and they are being pulverized by Satan and the world at this point. Let me just give you the context of that, just for a minute, okay? When you go to 1 Peter, you got to understand who's in charge. Nero is emperor at this time. And remember what Nero did? Remember Nero set Rome on fire for his own narcissistic reasons? He set it ablaze. 70% of Rome was destroyed. Over half, 50% of the population was now homeless. Could you imagine if somebody burnt down the greater Grand Rapids area? Burn it down, 70% of it destroyed, and tomorrow morning we wake up and 50% of you are homeless. 
That's what happened. And Nero did it, and then what he did was he blamed it on this new sect called the way, these people that are now following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, they're the ones that did it. And so he put an edict out, a law out. It is open season on anybody that wants to have a little Jesus fish or a Jesus lapel pin. You want to go to church? You are open game. You can fire them. You can persecute them. You can take them to court and rip them off. You can take away their jobs. You can beat their children. You can do whatever you want to do. It's open season. And that's what Rome did to people like you back then. That's the context of this. Aren't you glad you live in 2022? And in the middle of this, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. In the middle of all this, do you know what Peter says? He says what Pastor Taylor taught last week. He says, honor the king. And the guy that said honor the king, Nero himself, had him crucified upside down as a martyr at the same time that he had burnt down the city to blame Christians were going to take it. And then he has the Apostle Paul's head chopped off. All these guys are doing things right. They're having revelations from God. They're delivering people. They're paying people's bills. They're helping the poor. And that's what I get for serving God. And he tells you, honor the king. The bottom line is, I don't care what hell throws at me. I'm obeying God no matter what you say or what you do or what you throw at me. That's what he's saying. My behavior and my belief doesn't change. Boy, I tell you, we've got believers nowadays that you got to serve them paplum every single Sunday or you got to make sure that everything's just right or they can't even show up in the house of God. Or, or, or These Christians are being just going after them, and it's legal. And how many believe that those people, those believers, the Apostle Paul getting ready to have a guillotine chop off his head, and here's, here's the, the disciple, the Apostle Peter, and he's getting ready to be crucified upside down. I, I just have this idea that maybe in the cell they maybe went, why is this happening to me? Wait a minute, I just preached and 3,000 people got saved. I'm the one that had the revelation, you are the son of the living God, flesh and blood. Why is this happening to me? And he says, in all this context, he says, you will ask why. So, Brendan, me, you say, why? Get in line. Take a number. Because I'm asking why. I'm asking why. And it's not wrong. People say, you shouldn't ask why. I'm asking why. You know why I'm asking why? Because I'm in good company with my Savior, Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, and he says, Lord, why, why have you forsaken me? I've done everything right. Even in the human side, my Jesus asked why. If you look through all the Psalms, listen, probably the majority of the Psalms are asking why, and most of the Bible is about lamenting, but in the lamenting, we always find the presence of God that gives you and shows you the greater outcome in the very end. Can somebody thank God for that? And he says, don't be perplexed. Now, if Jesus, I'm going to ask why. One day I'll get all my whys answered. And maybe on the journey I'll get all my whys answered. But somehow we think that we're shocked. And he says, don't be perplexed in the pain as if somehow you're different than anybody else. Come on. Are, just because you follow Jesus, are you exempt from the law of gravity? 
I'm sitting in heavenly places, Pastor Sam. I'm just going to go cascading on the air. You're not exempt from the law of gravity. But here's what the disciple Peter says. Here's what the apostle says. He says, don't be surprised. But he does not say, do not grieve. He doesn't say that. He says, when you're going through pain and your spouse just left you, when you just got fired from a job that you have served for 36 years and given your best, when all of a sudden you get a prognosis you didn't want, when all of a sudden the one you loved is no longer with you, he says, you go ahead and grieve. He said, you don't have to act like a superhero. And you may even ask why, but you go ahead and grieve. And I'm going to tell you, God knew about the five stages of grieving before some pop psychology ever hit it. He knew that you'd go through denial. He knew you'd go through anger. He knew you'd go through bargaining. He knew you'd go through depression. He knew eventually somehow you'd get acceptance somehow. But here's the deal. When you're going through the grief, don't rush the grief. If someone just offended you, don't rush to just, I'm okay, I'm okay. No, you're not okay. Don't rush through what God is trying to reveal to you in it. And too many believers rush through it and never get a revelation of what God is really trying to show through their life and in the situation. But at the same time, I say don't rush it. I meet believers that want to stay in their constant grief and they want to stay in their constant anger and they want to stay in their constant bitterness and they want to stay in their constant denial. You do not rush them, but neither do you remain there forever. Weeping may endure for the night, but there is a joy that shall come in the morning and you will understand and pour out. Do not remain there. It's when I find a believer that loves to remain there because it simply gets the attention everybody around them. That's the dangerous part. And I'll just tell you, I'm perplexed. I ask why, and I'll tell you, honestly, many times, many times God has delivered us. Many times he's delivered us. But sometimes his deliverance doesn't come the way I want. And here's what I cannot do. I cannot interpret my temporal experience as an eternal reality. Because what happens is so many believers take their personal temporal experience and then interpret it as an eternal reality. What God says is, is you take the eternal reality of my word and my truth and you bring it into the temporal experience of your pain that at the end you can see what I eternally had planned from the very beginning. How many thank God he is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end and he knows where he's taking us. So my point is, is don't be surprised is what he said. Don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes as it's some bizarre thing because you did everything right as a believer or you blessed that person and they did you wrong. And now you stay anger and you stay in the stage of anger and bitterness the rest of your life over them. Somebody needs to be set free from that right now this morning because you've remained there. See, grief won't destroy you. Surprise is what destroys you. He didn't say not grieve. He said just don't be surprised. Don't, be, don't stay perplexed. Don't remain in this bitterness, this anger. Don't remain there. Don't rush through it, but don't remain there. It may take some time. Don't remain there. How are we doing this morning? Don't remain there. Because surprise is what will destroy you. And when you remain in a place where you don't allow him to refresh you, in that pain, here's what happens. Surprise starts looking like you stay bitter. That's the surprise. Bitterness is the surprise. 
Cynicism is a surprise. Well, who I ever pray for anybody again? I'm never going down there again. I'm never going to, I'll never trust another person. I'm going to just stay single the rest of my life. I can make it on my own. Self-pity is what surprise looks like. Nobody cares. Pastor hadn't called me. Surprise is what destroys you, not grief. So he says, believers, Sam, Brenda, single person, lost your job, don't be surprised. Don't be perplexed by it. As something strange has happened because of this trial. Because God has got something that you can't grasp right now. Don't rush, but don't remain. Keep on moving toward him. So don't be perplexed by the pain. Everybody say perplexed in pain. He said, in fact, what's really going to happen is there's a purpose in the pain. Now let's go to verse 13. Oh, there's so much packed in. The apostle Peter is packing so much in through the Holy Spirit. He says, instead, be very glad. Everybody say, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. He says, there's going to be a then that it's all going to be revealed. Just take my word for it. All the injustice you see, all the questions, all the injustice is going to be settled ultimately one time. I promise you. It's all going to be settled. Just read the word, study the word. You know it's going to. But his glory can also be seen in the now when you're walking through the pain. When you're walking through the suffering, it can be seen. I don't know if it's being seen. People say Brent's things to Brenda and me, and we're going, we just don't see that in us. And it's probably good. Just let God do his thing through you. Just know, God, I don't understand it. I don't understand, God, but I do trust. I don't understand, but I do trust. Because, see, here's, here's rational thought. Philosophical thought says this, okay? This is what it says out there in the world. Philosophical thought says this. If God's all-powerful, then why did he allow this suffering and this pain to happen in your life if he's all-powerful? Hmm. Well, that means he doesn't care. So he's got, see, that's the first place Satan's going to get all of us is that somehow God is not good. That's the first thing he'll always go after, the goodness of God. Did God say, he's really not looking out for you, Adam and Eve? Did he? He's really not that good. Always the goodness of God. So what people say, rational thought and philosophical thought out there says, if God is all-powerful, then why didn't he stop this suffering? Oh, it's because he doesn't care and he doesn't love and he really isn't good. So therefore, he doesn't exist. That's the thought of the unbelieving culture that you live in. Then the other flip side says, oh, but you say he's all loving. Well, if he's all loving, then he must not be all powerful or he would have stopped the evil and the suffering. So therefore, he doesn't exist either. That is the world in which you live. But here's the thing they don't want to listen to and here's the thing that you and I understand. I said at the beginning, I'm going to say it now, Christianity is unique in that no other religion on the planet Earth or the universe has a God that intentionally came to suffer and die intentionally for the salvation of the very thing he created, you and me and humanity. No other God on the planet purposely, intentionally came and said, I die, I'm coming to die so that they can be free and be with me forever. No other religion. 
None. Not one. And that's what they don't want to deal with. See, because really, God lost a child. The pain you feel over your loved one, boy, he knows it. He lost his boy and intentionally sent him knowing that's why he's going. Because he's thinking of you and Sam and Brenda and Brent and Michelle and Robert. He said, it's them. And he lost his boy and nobody cared about it. Even the people that were supposed to be in his small group didn't even show up with a casserole. They didn't send a DoorDash card. They ran. And he watched them run. When he healed them, and they ran. When he fed them, and they ran. So before you can line up that he's not all powerful, and he's not all loving, you have to understand no other God, no other religion, God of any religion on this planet intentionally sent his boy to die knowing it for humanity so he could save them. So with that, I love something Tim Keller, Pastor Tim Keller, great pastor, great theologian. He had out a book called Reason for God. It's a great read, pretty heavy read. But he did a video teaching, and I'll never forget what he said, and this stuck with me, and he just, this is excellent. Just follow me for a second, okay? I talk fast and loud when I excite. I talk slow when I educate. So let me hear, let's hear what he said. He says, we don't know what the reason for suffering is, but we know what the reason for suffering isn't. It can't be that he doesn't love us, and it can't be that he can just snap his finger and let it all go away and still have us. In other words, if he loves us enough to suffer for us, he must have a good reason for allowing it to go on. You can't have it both ways. It can't mean that he's remote and he doesn't care. There is something that is so far beyond us that his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher and he's saying, I am working something that is so powerful and so beautiful. In other words, there is... In the pain, there is a purpose for the child of God. When they say, I don't understand God. I got questions, but I trust you and I follow you. See, it's not so much what you and I are going through. It is really what we are growing through to find the revelation of Jesus Christ. I think of Rick Warren and his wife that have gone through so much pain. I love something in an interview he said recently. He says, I have learned more through suffering than I ever, has, ever have through joy as a believer. I've learned more. I've learned more. Have you ever noticed that people who are poor and broke, have you ever noticed they handle money a whole lot better than kids who've had a silver spoon in their mouth their whole life? You treat it so much different because you learn more when you've gone through suffering than you ever do through joy. So I want you to see this. Let's go back to what the, the, the apostle Peter said. Let's go to first, first Peter chapter one, as Peter's now reflecting similar to what I read in the text. Look what he said in chapter one, verse six. He says, in this, you greatly rejoice. He's talking about persecution, suffering, even though now for a little while, for a little, everybody say for a little while, everybody it's for a little while, for a little while, if necessary. Here's the deal. It's necessary for you and me to feel some pain. 
Some things never give birth. Nothing gets birth if there's not a labor of pain. If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So it's all kinds. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is the whole purpose? The revelation of who Jesus is, what he does, and what he has in store for his people. That's the revelation. And he says, when you're going through the fiery trials, he says, I'm telling you. He says, I'm telling you. There's something that's going to be revealed that's so profound that you can't grasp right now. See, it's, and he says it's a fiery trial. And here's the thing about furnaces. A furnace can either burn you to a crisp or a furnace can refine you like pure gold. We got to decide which one we're going to become. Burnt to the crisp or pure gold when we come out. Come on, you and I have watched this. We've watched believers walk through the same ordeal as somebody else. Two people, same ordeal, same situation. But one comes out hard, bitter, cynical, self-pity, full of get, and actually their heart gets hard and callous toward God and toward other people. Then you have another person that's gone through the exact same thing, and they know the fiery trial is coming, but it's not going to last that way, but there's something that God wants to make like pure gold for the revelation of Jesus, and guess what happens to them? They don't get hard, but fire liquefies, so they become pliable, and as a result of becoming pliable, they become more tender to the Holy Spirit, they become softer, they become more humble, they empathize with other people more, they become tender. In fact, these people end up hearing more purpose from God and get more clarity and direction from God because the fire liquefies him to move with God instead of hardening, callous, and staying in that bitterness, that anger, that rage, that discontent, that frustration and cynicism. How many, how many are still tracking with me on this? So here's the deal. Whatever you're going through, sir, your son just walked out on you. Your daughter just walked out and said, I never want anything to do with you ever again. I can't believe what you just did to me. Or whether your pain is that you've got a prognosis from the doctor or whether one of your loved ones have gone on to be with Jesus Christ, whatever your pain, you just got broken up, someone just jilted you, walked away, it's time for you to become, let the fire liquefy you instead of burn you to a crisp and say, Holy Spirit, ask him, Holy Spirit, and listen to the Holy Spirit in it. Because what he's going to do is give you a new meaning in all of it. Look for the new meaning. Now, I wish the new meaning could come just like that. Oh, boy, do I wish the new meaning come. The new meaning may come to you just like that. The new meaning may take weeks. For some of you, it may take months. For some of you, it may take years. But ask for the new meaning of what God is saying. Because sometimes, folks, sometimes when your pain is the greatest, that's when the Holy Spirit can speak to you the loudest. So we're trying to find new purposes, new meetings. I don't know what it is for you, but sometimes it'll just pop up. And sometimes it won't be God giving you, hey, this is what I want you to do next. Sometimes it might come through another person. Sometimes it might be, it just might be an idea. It might be something that just comes out of, out of absolutely nowhere. And you're going, well, I never thought about that. Even as we've walked this journey with Sarah, and as she entered and ran into the presence of the Lord, Brendan and I have asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is, what is, what help us with new meanings? Something special that happened for Sarah was, Something really neat, uh, probably, probably the day or maybe two days before she went to be with Jesus. A very uh, sweet and generous couple in this church came up to Sarah and said, Sarah, 
And this is what I loved their faith. They said, we have full intention of you running what we're getting ready to tell you, what we're going to establish the rest of your life till you grow old. I love that. Kind. Don't you love that kind of faith? But that generous couple, they said, uh, we want to establish the Sarah, Reifkogel, J, the Sarah J. Reifkogel Foundation so that the things, Sarah, you are passionate about, you can help give to the rest of your life and bless it so the kingdom work of Jesus Christ can go on. <clears throat> Isn't that special? That's just special. It's so special. And that's how the Sarah J. Reifkogel Foundation got started by a very generous couple. And one of Sarah's passions, she said, I love what fine arts did for me, and I want to see the next generation of worship leaders. I want to see them, I want to see them developed. I want to see them launched. I want them to grow. I want them what God did for me, I want to see happen for others, even at a greater level. I love that. And so one of the things she said, I want to help the fine arts. And so here's one of the things. I just want to let you know what, what's happened. You know, if some of you know that national fine arts is things that our young people go to, it's a nationwide thing through the Sims of God. It's 14,000, 15,000 kids at the very, very beginning. They compete in different areas of arts and graphics and all kinds of things, urban dance, all these kind of things, developing the arts through kids, and like 15,000. And they all converge on a city every year, like 14,000, 15,000 of them. And they compete. And Sarah, uh, what year was it, Brenda? 2012? 2012, she won the Female Vocal Solo Senior uh, Merit Award. And it came with a scholarship. And she was able to go to a university, one of our Sims of God universities. And that's where she learned all of her technique. That's where she learned theory that she applied. She wasn't just a good singer. She knew what she was doing. And it was because of the training she had. And she said, I want to see others have that training. So every year... And this coming year, in August, whoever the female vocal solo senior winner is, they're going to receive the Sarah Reifkel Award of $25,000 to go toward their schooling uh, in one of our universities uh, across the nation so that they can train on in being a, an, excellent, an excellent worship leader. That'll keep happening every year. Every year. <clears throat> And some of you knew Sarah. So just let me just talk for this just for a moment because I don't want to leave her all the time. You know, I just, I just, this Sunday, I want to just take some time to tell you. And you'll hear more about something else here in just a moment. But Sarah's life verse, if those of you who are here, you heard me talk about her life verse when she was 12 years old. And she said, Dad, the Holy Spirit told me what I'm supposed to do at 12 years of age. You know, it blows me away. At 12 years of age, I was, I don't know, throwing clods at the neighbor kid. I, Sarah, Sarah found her life verse and she followed it. It was Psalm 33.3. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. And one of the places she got to live that out was with Pastor Drew and this, uh, this outstanding worship team that I think is one of the best in the entire country. We got one of the best leaders in Pastor Drew. Pastor Drew, get to feeling better, buddy. But Sarah always wanted that, and her heart was to always see the next generation perpetuated. She would help all the younger ones learn and train and hear, even hear. Well, one of the things they always wanted to do is we've always wanted to have more worship music come out of this place. You know, when the members put out their album, their heart was always to put it out more and more and more and more and more and more and more. Well, one of the things that make that happen was Pastor Drew, about three or four years ago, he and Sarah and I think uh, Caleb Weidman, they were all... There's a, there's a science lab that sits up here empty right now. It's kind of become a storage room. But it's perfect for a live 
a live worship recording studio where you can come in and bring people in and do live worship where it's not just a song. You feel the experience of the worship happening out of people and they can do it live in a room, but you have to have a place good enough, big enough, and that is outfitted right and properly to do that with all the state-of-the-art equipment and the design of it has to be done right. It's always been their dream to do it. Well, because of this foundation, um, one of the things that we're going to do in this church is we're going to establish what is called Studio 33.3. And out of it, we're going to record and release live worship music out of it. But we don't want to do it just for our church. Just like we did with CityServe to empower others, there are other churches and people that have a worship sound that needs to get out. And it's so expensive out there that we're going to make it cost effective for them to get their sound of worship out that God has given them. We're going to find a way to, you can't do everybody, but we're going to find a way to make sure those kind of folks have an opportunity that we fill the earth and we fill the atmosphere with worship in communities and countries, wherever we go. It's not just about us, folks. It's about the revelation of who Jesus is. And that's what we want to do with this. And you say, well, Pastor, how can we make it happen? Well, right now, the, the, the preliminary cost of it, because it's, and I think there's some pictures. Do we have pictures of that science lab? Oh, yeah, there it is. It's just sitting there. It's old Bunsen burners, and, but it's a big room. Is, there, is that the only one? There's another one. There's a, if we, when we change it, somebody can have that sink for your garage if you like it. And you can have that beautiful wallpaper there, too. You know, we'd have that. But this is going to be all opened up. And it's going to be, it's going to be, we want it to be one of the finest that people that are in that worship calling will go, this is an outstanding, outstanding recording studio. Our our preliminary cost is worth about $750,000 for this. And all of you that have already given some things to the foundation, here's the beauty of this, okay? Just so you'll know that the couple that started this foundation knew the desire for this studio and the worship to come out of here and to help others get that worship out there. That they will match funds up to $500,000. So everything we give gets doubled and they will add to it up to $500,000 so we could more than pay for the finest quality recording studio that worship can come out and perpetuate for generations to come around the world. And uh, church family, here's the deal. If you want to get involved with that, and I don't know, some of you may want to do something, you know, it's significant for you, whatever it is, you can get on the app, you can get on the app, I think, and I I believe you can go there and you can give through that, uh, or you can put it in the boxes, or, but if you want to do that, we're going to, Sarah's birthday would land on November 1, so we're going to, so up till November 1, uh, we want to be able to make this. So if you say, well, I I don't have, you know, but I want to do this over the next week and don't make it your tithe. It's something that you want to do to get worship and praise out there. And uh, Lord lays something on your heart. You can let us know what you want to do. And on November one is when we'll, on her birthday, we'll say, okay, here's what all came in. And it'll take us probably about maybe eight months to a year to get it all designed because we have designers and people that know what they're doing, building this. So that's part of the new meaning for us is that a sound gets perpetuated from the heart of a young lady that wanted to see nothing but pure Jesus come out of worship. 
And how can I empower somebody else to do that? And what one young lady couldn't accomplish in her lifetime, we're believing thousands will accomplish because of this one young lady and her heart to see worship come out. That's our desire to have happen. And Grand Rapids first. So if you give, just click on there to the Sarah J. Rifko Foundation. It'll go straight to Studio 33, and it'll be right here at Grand Rapids First. And we're going to hear worship come out of there. And, and so no pressure, Pastor Drew, but there's a new worship album coming out. Amen. And uh, so this is going to be cool. So what, so what is it for you? What is it for you? Brenda and I didn't have that revelation. This, someone spoke to somebody else, and we said, well, wait a minute. What about this? What is it for you? Is it the neighbor kid that doesn't have a father that maybe somehow you could begin to pour into? Is it someone you mentor? What is it? Is it a small group that here you are, you're a mature believer and you've sat back and you've never hosted a small group and now it's time for your gift to start coming alive and you say, I can help some other people in a small group. What is it for you? What is the new meaning for you? Is it volunteering? What is it that God's speaking to you? Is it somehow to go to the workplace and you know that there's something, a need that needs to be filled but you won't get paid for it but you're going to do it because God has a new meaning and a purpose out of you. I'm just simply telling you, friends, that the devil can do what he wants to do. He can throw what he wants to throw at you, but I have a word from you that we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose, and God has a purpose in you, and the devil cannot stop that. Because there is a purpose in that pain that what he meant for evil in you, God always will turn to the good. Always turn to the good. I want our musicians to come. I told you, you will never, Satan will abandon you every time. That's why I gave the altar call. Those of you that gave your life to Jesus, Satan will abandon you every time. He will, he will throw you to the side. Take my word for it. But Jesus will never leave you. I love what Peter said. He said, there's presence. God's presence is always in the pain. I want you to hear what he said. He says, if you are insulted, this is more persecution, because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. I don't know what it is, but you will be blessed. Take my word for it. Pastor Sam and Brenda, we not only were blessed, but we will continue to be blessed. That's his word. But here's even better. For the glorious spirit of God rests on you. Not the blessing I'm looking for. I want that last part with the spirit of God. And it's not just rest. It's the rest God has himself will come on you and me, that kind of rest. And when I saw that word rest, there's been some restless nights. I can't tell you that's, there's been restless nights. There'll come other restless nights, but here's his promise. I'm going to put my spirit on you. You're going to get rest. And that word rest literally means to cause you to rest. He said, I'm going to find ways to make you rest. You're going to get it. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to cause it to happen on you. And there's going to be revival in the middle of the pain. He said, I'm going to cause you to have revival. In fact, people are going to look at you and say, how can you come out? Because I'm going to cause a refreshing to come on to you. That's not enough for you, but there's plenty overflow for the people around you. That's the kind of purpose God has. And I can just tell you right now, friends, he's with you. And if he's with me, if God be for me, who in all this universe, even Lucifer himself, could ever be against you or me? Listen, the devil is nervous right now, okay? He is dialing 911. He is sucking down gallons of Pepto-Bismol. He is a nervous wreck. Don't you ever forget it. But in this pain, in this confusion, he's with you. If you take a piano 
and you put two pianos in here. We got one sitting out there in the narthex. You got two pianos and they're both in tune. They're both perfectly in tune. Here's what happens. This is absolutely proven. If you take this piano over here and you strike the key, that string will vibrate and make a sound. But if you have another piano in the room, that same note that was struck over there, no one's touching this one, but that string over here will begin to vibrate. It's called sympathetic, it's, it's called sympathetic uh, resonance. That, that sound that is felt over there is felt in this one and no one's even touching it. And that's the reason why Hebrews says, this high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same things we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You know why? Because whenever something strikes and touches us, it's over here striking the heart of God. And he says, I'm not just feeling it, but I'm sending my anointing to give you the grace to walk through it. How many thank God we are not alone? We are not alone.